Well, you know what that means. It's time to expose the money lies. Let's get started. Hey there, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and I hope you have safe travels if you're traveling back home sometime between now and next week. So I am actually recording this before Thanksgiving, of course, we're getting ready to travel um, ourselves for Thanksgiving and we'll be gone for about 10 days and I hope that we have safe travels as well. But uh, today I wanted to talk about contribution. We all want to contribute. We all want more, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we love. And wanting that more means being open to how that more will come to you, how you will receive that more. It may not be through your own efforts or money in exchange for your own efforts. It may come to you in ways that you never expected, in ways that you didn't ask for, in ways that you didn't dream of. You have, you want to be open to that more because that more does belong to you. <laughs> um, I know that's, that might be hard to see, but there is a lot of, there are a lot of ways that things come to us, whether we contribute or not. And while I think it's a really important to stay open to all those ways that, you know, our Heavenly Father has of bringing things our way or things that we, whether we deserve them or not, um, ways of lavishing things upon us just because he loves us doesn't, doesn't mean that we had to earn it just because he loves us or just because your partner loves you or just because a friend loves you, right? I mean, look at Christmas gifts. We have Christmas coming up in a month or so. And do we give out Christmas gifts because people earn them? Generally speaking, no. (laughs) You know, did Jesus come to earth and die on a cross because we earned that sacrifice? Not necessarily, right? No, we did not earn that sacrifice. We probably don't even deserve it. But it is a gift that our Heavenly Father wanted to give us to connect with us, to show us how much He loves us. And so that does not require a contribution on our part. But I did want to ask you, what are all the ways that you contribute? Are you spending any time at all recognizing your contributions? Because I think you should. I think that should be a daily practice, recognizing your contributions. Are you recognizing on a daily basis how valuable you are? I recently had somebody ask me if I had a podcast that talked about how to feel like it was okay to spend the money their husband earned if as a stay-at-home mom or a non-employed partner, you don't bring home money or a paycheck. And I thought, yeah, I, I have never done a podcast on this topic, but I should because I've seen a lot of situations, I've coached clients before where this was the case, where women felt like they had to pay their own way when they're in a relationship where their husband is the primary breadwinner and the wife is might be the primary caregiver, whether that's of the home or the 
children or the parents or the in-laws or the person that is the breadwinner, whatever that looks like, the primary caregiver shouldn't feel or doesn't have to feel, it's completely optional, doesn't have to feel like they have to earn their way. And the reason I think this comes up is because how of how we perceive our value. Value is just generally, I think, naturally assigned to the husband when he's the primary breadwinner because the value is very easy to define. It's the paycheck he's bringing home, right? It's worth this amount of dollars. However, the value is not as easy to define when you're the caregiver. So it's really easy to dismiss the value you're contributing to the household, to the relationship, even just as a function of being human and being created by a loving God. There's inherent worth and value just in existing. And I can certainly understand how, you know, a wife would want her own money if, um, or if she, how she wouldn't feel entitled to the money brought into the household, but it is a partnership. I mean, people signed up for that partnership and everybody contributes something to that partnership, to that relationship, to that household. So, I mean, do you feel uncomfortable sleeping in a bed that you didn't earn or driving a car that you didn't earn or eating food out of the refrigerator when you didn't earn the money that bought it. I mean, I don't think generally people feel guilty or bad or ashamed or uncomfortable doing those things. And so I would just ask, why would money be any different? Why would you feel any different about spending money than you would about you know, eating the meatloaf that you made that was purchased by the paycheck that you didn't bring home. I don't see that as any different. Um, And I'm not trying to suggest that you should feel guilty about eating the food in the refrigerator or sleeping in the bed. My point is that just as you shouldn't feel guilty about that, you shouldn't feel guilty about using any household resources, regardless of what you contribute. And there are lots of ways to contribute. And you don't need to contribute in order to have a right to take up space or be entitled to household resources, regardless of what it's for. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't contribute. That's not what I'm saying at all. I believe most people truly want to contribute. I just think it's in our human nature unless there's some chemical imbalance or some um, disorder that I think by nature, as humans, we want to contribute to the greater good. But there's a big difference between contributing because you love doing it and because it feels good and contributing in order to have a right to be there or have what you want or need. As scripture says, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And I think this isn't true in most environments. I mean, who wants someone doing things in drudgery or discontent just because they're obligated to do it, just because they feel like they have to earn their way? Um, I just 
think that that's completely optional. If you think about charitable organizations, they don't sell anything. They don't typically, unless they're a social enterprise, they don't sell things, but they do have to bring in donations in order to fund the work that they do in in communities all over the world. Awesome work that these charitable organizations uh, do. And I've been on the board of a couple of uh, pretty great ones, ones that I really felt like they were doing really helpful and empowering things in our community. And most charitable organizations, I feel, do this. And we don't think that they shouldn't access funding just because they don't bring in a paycheck or they don't bring in revenue from selling products or services. So I'm wondering what makes women who very skillfully run households feel this way when they don't bring in a paycheck, they feel like they have to earn their way to some imagined allowance or the right to spend money or take up space um, when they don't bring money into the household. And I think about working in corporate. I never worked in sales. And so I was always part of a department no matter who I worked for, I was always part of a department that didn't necessarily earn money for the corporation, but we did valuable work. You know, you think about there are sales related departments and they obviously bring in revenue, right? But there are also operations departments, people who deliver the services and products that the sales department sells. There is accounting and finance, there is human resources. There are support-related departments. If you think about the janitor, right? He doesn't bring in money, but it's really important the job that that role fulfills. The, you know, keeping things clean and neat and orderly and um, healthy in that environment is a really important role. And... All of those roles are important. Not all of them bring in money, but all are important and all are contributing. So even though some of those departments don't bring in money, doesn't mean that, you know, the employees in those departments shouldn't be paid or shouldn't have a right to be there. And the same is true in a household. You know, besides the idea that people in a relationship, um, don't have to earn the right in order to be there, in order to take up space, in order to um, fully thrive and live a lifestyle that they desire. I mean, that in, a, in and of itself is enough, right? You're in the relationship. You're in that space. You're invited. You belong. You are welcome there. You don't have to be contributing, but they are, you are contributing in so many ways. And you don't even have to look for evidence of that. All you really have to look for is just what you want to be true. You know, do you want to feel this way? Do you want to feel like you're contributing and that you deserve it no matter what? No matter what you're contributing? Or do you want to feel obligated and um, restrained in, in what you can do and what you can spend just as a sole function of the fact that you bring in a paycheck or not. 
do you want to feel that way? Do you want it to be true? Do you, I mean, what would make it true? And who are you when it feels true? And then you can look at the opposite. What makes it not true? What makes it not true that you should earn money in order to spend money on yourself or to take care of yourself or to buy something you want? Who are you when it's not true? Um, Which of those would you choose on purpose? And what makes one any more true than the other? Now, every time it comes up, what you can do is practice choosing on purpose. Practice agency. Notice what comes up. Notice what is making you feel excluded. Notice what's making you feel like you don't deserve it. And where else are you feeling this way? Because how we feel about one thing is how we feel about most things or how we think about most things. I mean, do you feel like you don't have a leg to stand on in disagreements because you don't bring in money? Do you feel like you have to go along with the primary breadwinner because you don't bring in money? And how is that impacting you? How is it impacting your family? You know, because once you've done the work inside you, then if you want or need to, then you can look for evidence. I'm not a huge fan of looking for that evidence before you decide on purpose what you actually want to get. Because until you believe you should have it, it's such a struggle to find the evidence or to believe the evidence, even if you do find it. And then if you don't find the evidence, then you use that as evidence that you shouldn't believe it. So I want you to decide on purpose what you want to be true and then believe it and then look for evidence because then you're much more likely to be in alignment with what you want to believe versus what you are subject to believing. So if you decide first what you really want to believe and commit to believing it, you're more likely to keep going until you find the evidence that you're looking for. Now, once you decide what you want and you're ready to look for evidence, then you can do that daily right? You can consider your contributions, just like I talked about at the beginning. Consider your contributions to the household, not as hired help, but as if you're the CEO of the family business. Because running a family, running a household is like running a business. I mean, what would happen if you weren't there to do what you do? What wouldn't happen that needs to happen if you weren't there? Whose needs wouldn't be met as a result of you not filling that role in that family business as the CEO of that family business? What would fall through the cracks? What wouldn't be growing if you weren't around to make those contributions? I mean, I know it's tough sometimes to think about it in these terms because it can feel like you're monetizing your role as a mom or a wife or a a caregiver, but just think about if you did work outside the home, if you did go out into the world and get a job and education, pay your way, what would it take to run the household without you in that full-time caregiver, that full-time household CEO role? And you can think about it as opportunity cost. What opportunities have you given up? Have you contributed in order to fill the role as CEO of the family. So there are a variety of roles each one of us can fill, and all of those are valuable. 
So where aren't you or how aren't you seeing your worth and value as a human on this planet, as a CEO of the family, as a child of God? I mean, if you think about Ruth, even she went out and gathered the wheat left in the fields and she gave herself permission to accept the love that she truly deserved from Boaz. Once he, you know, noticed her, he he loved her and, you know, what made her give herself permission to accept the love that she truly deserved, even though she had plenty of evidence to contradict that given her station at that time and place. I mean, she was homeless. She was picking, you know, leftover wheat out of the fields. So, you know, she could have thought, I don't deserve this and, and not accepted all that God had for her. I just want you to think about, you know, how can you be more like Ruth? It's okay to give yourself permission to want more than you need. Need is completely subjective anyway. I mean, if you think about kids, (laughs) when there's something they really, really want and they ask for it, they haven't earned it. What do you think them, what do you think makes them think that they have the right to ask for it? And they say, but mom, I really need it, (laughs) right? It doesn't matter if it's a want or a need. You deserve to get it, to ask for it, to buy it, to whatever, without earning it. You know, it's, it's interesting to me how women, generally speaking, have such an easy time contributing and such a hard time recognizing their contributions. So that's, that's what I want you to practice um, for at least the next 30 days. I just want you to try it for 30 days. Recognize your contributions, give yourself permission, decide that you deserve it, decide that you don't have to earn it in order to deserve it. And that is exactly what I'm doing in Miracle Multiplier Alliance in 2022. Because A lot of my clients don't feel like they deserve more. They feel like they have everything they need. They should be grateful and they shouldn't expect more. They shouldn't ask for more. They shouldn't want more. But I don't think that's true. I think that God wants us to have a rich, abundant life. And I am believing for them that all of you I'm believing for all of you that you deserve more. You are made for more. Now, a Miracle Multiplier Alliance is something that I am doing in 2022. It's my brand new group coaching experience. We're together, you, me, and a group of 11 other coaches. We're going to multiply the growth of you and your business for each and every person in there without doing more. So imagine what it would be like to double your revenue without doubling your time, without doubling your effort or your energy. How would that feel? That would feel amazing unless you felt like you didn't deserve it. Then it wouldn't. Then it would feel obligatory, like I I had to pay that back or something. But where this um, came from or how I want to structure this is based on Elevate Retreat. You know that I just hosted Elevate Retreat. It was my very first retreat 
And I loved it so, so much. The event was absolutely amazing. It was so thrilling to see the breakthroughs that these women um, experienced. And I am totally ready to match the energy in a year-long group coaching program with the same vibe as we had at Elevate Retreat. It's you know, the vibe was just the energy of the group. It was so inspiring. The energy they brought, the energy I brought, and then the mix of the two. Uh, everybody just got such great value and everybody had their own personal breakthrough. And the support was so valuable. And not only the support that I offered through my coaching and through how I planned and prepared for the experience, the activities, the way that I wanted to elevate them, elevate their money mindset, elevate how they showed up for themselves and for their business and for their clients, but the support they gave each other. That was amazing to watch. And that was exactly what I wanted to facilitate. And so we also got a lot of work done. But even though we did work while we were at the retreat, it was really so much more fun to be able to do it with that group energy. And so that's what I'm recreating for this alliance. Now it starts January 1st and it will run through December 31st and we'll meet three times a month. We'll also have quarterly planning sessions and we will host an in-person event in Nashville. And I'm really, really excited about that because I love connecting with people in person. It is just such an amazing experience. Now, I'll also call in experts to lend help in areas that I'm not an expert in. And so once we get the group together, we'll see what else, what other expertise we need to add to the group. And that's where the guest experts will come in and I'll facilitate all of that for you. So Miracle Multiplier Alliance is limited to 12 people and it's by application only. And I'm doing that on purpose just to ensure that we have a really diverse group that has um, a lot of different areas of expertise, different backgrounds, different perspectives, different approaches to their coaching different strengths so that we can all complement each other and so that we can all multiply the miracles in our businesses. So it's going to be amazing and I can't wait to get started. So you can go check it out at jillwrightcoaching.com slash miracle dash multiplier. You can set up aside a time to chat with me, fill out the application questions, and then start preparing for a 2022 of exponential growth. I'll see you there.